We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! That's Roth! Party on, Roth! Wow, didn't expect that. Party on, Drew. <laughs> Thank you! Thank you! Yep, that's right. You it's never Wednesday. Know when someone's gonna, gonna get wany on you. It, you never know. I mean, spring it, spring old, really dated Wayne's World references on people when they least suspect it is really how I go about my business. It's what I do best as a dad. Yeah, I was going to say, it's something that I would call the father's privilege. Like, you're able to, like, as you have kids, you can pretty much just say, what's up to someone at any time, and they'd have to, they just have to take it. That's right. That's right. If only, if only all the Super Bowl ads this year had had more what's up guys in it. Yeah, they're not, they don't happy. make uh, funny beer ads anymore. You know, so, I uh, I thought that ad was brilliant when it first came out. But you know what? There's no uh, there's no reason to go down that little bit of memory lane. And, what, and you don't want to talk about the, the what's up, guys? You want to talk about the frogs? It's fun to put on my little ad knower hat and whatnot and talk about the bud lizards and all that shit. But nobody gives a rat's ass. I miss the bud bowl, and that's really all about there. Yep. I have, I, uh, I, I have two, two stories to tell you, Rolf. Oh, good. Right. One of them better be about the bud lizards, though, because you tease that, and then you're just jogging on like it's not something. Yeah, not, they're not about, about the buzz lizards. All right, all right, all right. What, so what, what are your stories? Uh, so I, last week I got a colonoscopy. I wrote about it. <laughs> so I go you really and did. I go and I get I go to the the outpatient center to get my colonoscopy, and they they bring me into the room and they put the IV in me and all that stuff. And the doctor's there, and he's wearing a mask, and I'm wearing a mask, and he's looking at me, and I'm like. I'm like, hi, Doc. And he's like, he's like, it's a great day for a colonoscopy. And I'm like, goddamn right it is. And he's like, I read four <laughs> of your books. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. Oh, wow. I didn't ask him if he liked them. I should have been like, did you like, because if he didn't like them, like, would he, like, would he put a bottle of Tabasco sauce up there while <laughs> I was going to say, while like I the was last thing you hear, it's like, I read four of your books. I liked one. And then <laughs> you're just out yeah. for a little bit. If he had been like, really, I've, I've read your books. But I don't really care for your political takes. And uh, by the way, I, I'm not vaccinated. Then that would have been a real, real coming big into problem. the room hot as hell. With it's a great day for a colonoscopy. It's incredible, though. Like I'm basically <laughs> imagining your doctor as Robert Duvall from Apocalypse Now. Like that's just that's a big energy to bring to that procedure. <laughs> I do like I do like it when doctors are sort of sunny and enthusiastic and like like when I got my vasectomy. Like, like the urologist was like checking out my scrot, and he's like, "Got some big tubes in there, Kimasabi." And I was like, "Yeah, that's right. I have a good veiny scrotum, and I'm ready for you to fucking cut right into it with a soldering iron." Wait, did was he, that, did so, he actually call? Oh, you sorry. Go ahead. Kimosabi? He gave me a Kimosabi, man. That's like fucking like powerful. Like this is like a like a fifty or sixty year old guy. So they're like, like they're they're the kind of people who would use Kimosabi. Like enthusiastically, and not really have any compunction about yeah, it. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not worried about like situate. I'm not trying to cancel your urologist here. I'm just like trying to get a sense of the the color of the interaction. And it sounds like again, this guy came in caffeinated, ready to put you at ease. Also, obviously, admiring of your uh, your reader. He was into it. That's right. And you always want the doctor. You always want to be their first job of the day. Like I don't want to be like I don't want to be the 4 p.m. job. <laughs> doctor's like, oh, if I have to stick my hand up another ass again. I got losing daylight, and I was hoping to get nine in today. So uh, I got a table for two at Quilties uh, tonight. I got to get out of here. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just have Dave do it. So the, the um, not me. Uh, so last week, this is, I guess, this will get people up to speed on it. You were um, 
Like the last thing you did before you got your colonoscopy was do the podcast, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think yeah, I, like yeah. you were for sure. You like hadn't eaten and had taken the like Turbo Cleanse XL substance. That's right. That you had to that's take. right. I couldn't eat all day Wednesday, and so by the time you and I stopped doing the podcast, I was gonna fucking die. Like mid afternoon, I figured out it's like a work day where, um, like if you're working late. Like, it sucks at first, and you're just, like, really exhausted, and then, like, 8 p.m. hits or something like that, and you're like, okay, I'm here. Like, I accept that I'm fucked. And you sort yeah. of, you get a little bit of a second wind, and I felt that way that night. But that that afternoon was just horrific. I was, like, I was so tired and so fucking hungry, and there's, like, you know, I work at home. There's a, there's a kitchen 20 feet away at all times with, like, goodies in it, and I was like, oh, yeah. oh. Oh, just like one pickle sausage. would screw up the whole thing, though. You That's gotta, right. You gotta... No, they they said that. Like they said, hey, you know, if you uh, if you eat or drink anything three hours prior to the colonoscopy, even if it's water, even if you take a sip of water, uh, you know, we have the right to cancel the colonoscopy and and charge you like 150 bucks. And I didn't want to lose 150 bucks. I wanted to cancel. Because you ate house. like one little bocconcini ball of mozzarella because you just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, whatever. like yeah, I said. I get that. Like I, like I said in the post, I was like, I really wanted to eat like a fucking burrito like that morning just to see like if they went up there and be like, yeah. whoa, hey, like they're in a hailstorm of like little <laughs> corn bits and all this shit. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously you made the right choice. Uh, you got a clean bill of rectal health, which is good for all of us here to That's hear right. about. I'm, I think right. that's what listeners want to know about, especially first-time listeners just joining the podcast. They're like, has any one of these guys recently had a camera up his butt? Yeah, you have right. your answer. It's yes. So I also, I would, I would if, uh, if you are uh, 45 or above as I am, I would beseech you to go get a colonoscopy because it's one of those things. You just got to, it's basic cancer maintenance once you get into middle age. It's very annoying, but you should... And ought to do it if you have the means. Uh, the other thing was that I was rewarding myself for my colonoscopy pretty much all weekend by eating everything I wanted and consuming all sorts of greeny leaferies and all that. And I go downstairs and I'm playing uh, like everybody's golf on my PS4. And I put on, I told you about this, I put on the real thing, or I put on real McCoy, I put on another night, like the old like house. <laughs> this was, I was so excited about this. Like this is just a Slack message that showed up on like, I don't know, Saturday? Yeah, like, yeah, just gotta, yeah, Everybody's off duty, but you were like, hey, I want to talk about the, the the horny Belgian guys on the disco songs from the 90s. Remind me of that. <laughs> it was great. It was great because all those, yeah, because all, all those house music tracks, they were all produced in Germany by some random guy, and, like, he paid his singers nothing, and then there would be a dude on the track with, like, atomically precise stubble, and he would, <laughs> he would like, just like do these come ons. Like he wouldn't sing. He would just be like, ah, oh, the big love riser. And like, and then it would be like, mm, mm, mm. and then like an actual singer would sing the chorus. And it was fucking great. I loved all that shit. The and phrase wanted, that yeah. is in the Slack message that started this all, which I was hooting about all weekend. Your example of how these guys would contribute was just a German guy saying, quote, is your body? Is your body? <laughs> just. I love really that. Really, it stayed with me. I am in your debt because I was listening. I was listening to another night, and I hadn't listened to it in a while because it was a good song. But then How the dude you get, came you were on. Just like you know what, I would like. I just want to hear a roller skating jam from when I was fifteen. Yeah. All right. Well, because you know what it is. Like I get 
You ever get sick of your own music? Like you have playlists and you cycle All through the them fucking a million times, and it's like, listen, I'll listen to fucking anything else. So it's different. So I was, I was not drunk, but I was not sober, and I was like, you know what? Let's listen to some fucking house. And when the dude came on, and he's like, it's your body, I just started fucking laughing my ass. I was, I forgot how funny it was. It was great. Yeah. It is also weird that you're completely onto something about those like songs having issued from like a middle Europe that I never understood. Obviously you couldn't visit it. It's gone now. But there yes. was like this weird sort of a uh, post Cold War boomlet of uh horny goatee guys that like knew how to program drums. Yes. And they would just there was always one or two of them on the charts or at least like playing in the arcade and batting cage and roller skating rink spaces where I was at that age in my life. And uh, yeah, I have no idea where they came from. I have no idea where they went. I don't know. I don't think the real McCoy is doing like a festival tour in Europe now. Like those guys all have jobs. Yeah, yeah, no, no, because it's like one dude, and you know, yeah. and then like he like he probably didn't even hire a singer. He probably just like found like a scrap of singing like from like a demo tape somewhere. It's yeah. like I use that. That's good. <laughs> By the way, speaking of shady Europeans, the Russians. Let's talk about wow. the Russians. Look at him sticking the landing. That's a sports term as well. Uh, yeah, you're talking about the the 15 year old that's on six different blood thinners and heart yes. medications. Yeah. Yes, we should talk about uh, the Winter Olympics, specifically the figure skating, uh, and Camilla Valieva. All right, she's the best figure skater in the world. She tested positive for a banned substance that I cannot pronounce, uh, along with three other substances that were part of allegedly her grandfather's heart medication regimen. Whatever, I don't believe that. Yeah, and so she was sitting in limbo for days while the IOC and a bunch of other nebulous international figure skating bodies decide whether or not Valieva could compete. And so what they decided, very funnily, was that they would let her skate, but if she won the gold medal, and she just won it in the short program, uh, that they would not hold the medal ceremony if any Russian won a medal. And they just decided this morning also that she doesn't have to talk to the media after winning because uh, because she's 15. She's what's known as a protected person. So Valieva, like I said, she won the gold uh, yesterday and yesterday prior to this recording, uh, even though she fell in that program and was like a, like clearly an emotional wreck. Like it was like you're, she's 15, you know, yeah. like she's and, 15 and she's, and she's also been like story 1A on the Winter Olympics for at that point for going on a week. So, right, yeah. right. And she's sort of the face of a statewide doping program. Her coach, as our Kalen Kaler has uh, reported on, is essentially, uh, you know, achieves what she achieves by abusing her skaters. Mm -hmm. And so now there's a bunch of questions I want to ask you, because you and I are experts on this, of course. Yeah, uh, we grew up on the ice. Should Valieva have been allowed to skate at all? I mean, the thing with... Doping to me is, I don't understand how it's enforced. I don't necessarily understand what it does. It's different than like in baseball where, you know, Robinson Cano can't stop taking stenozolol or something. And they're like, well, you've already been suspended for that. Like everybody right. knows that's bad. That's stupid. Don't do it. You're suspended for 50 games or 80 games or whatever. In this case, it seems like there was some therapeutic benefit or whatever, athletic performance benefit from this heart medicine. But it was kind of obscure to me, and it was, like, unclear uh, how or why she would have been on it in the first place. I just don't trust any of the institutions that would be enforcing this to 
do it correctly. I just also trust, uh, I think probably just as passionately that the Russians are dirty as fuck and are yeah, going to do, right. do whatever they want to do and whatever they think they can get away with. That's, that's right. I, uh, your point about not trusting any of the sanctioning bodies is is dead on. I mean, that's you know that makes me think twice about it because in my mind, and I think this is wrong. Well, there's two things. First of all, I know, you know, I you know the old sort of thought about why you take steroids so you become as big as like a pro wrestler isn't correct. Like you know there were there were pitchers who did steroids, you know, back in the steroid era, and they weren't like hulky or anything like that. It was about recovery. It was about endurance. It was about uh, durability, things of yeah. that nature. So, And if I, you do it wrong, you get all the opposite of those benefits. That's you right. Get, like you get so big and you look like a fucking Rob Liefeld drawing and then you're constantly tearing your muscles every time you stand up or sit down because your body is stressed that way. Yeah, that's right. So I, you know, I, I don't really have much of a, uh, I'm not terribly skeptical that you know that she accidentally ingested something. I think it is entirely possible that Valieva was made to take something that she did not know she was taking by uh, you know by a statewide doping program. And so, I, in my mind, there are two things. One is that there's a difference to me in just a dude doping, like in baseball or whatever, mm-hmm. and something that has been organized by a state, a la East yeah. Germany, in and the then 1980s. forced onto uh, what's basically a tween. Yeah, that's that's where it gets Don't fucked for up that. for me because it's yep. essentially like child body engineering, and that's where I get, that's where I'm like, she should not have skated because it's essentially a tacit endorsement of a of a country that has already been caught doing all this, and their only punishment was that they can't have their fucking flag flying yeah. at the ceremony. Like they even have like they've had to go under two different sort of euphemistic abbreviations in the last two Olympics, right? Like they were. Now they're Correct. ROC, but they were something different in the previous games, right? But it was the same deal. It's because they're... Yeah, I mean, there was it was another acronym or whatever the fuck, but, you know. So then the question is, though, if she wasn't, you know, I want to say, look, on, on principle, you know, Russia should be punished. Ergo, Valiev should not have been allowed to skate. But that punishes a 15-year-old girl who wants to win a gold medal. So should, where, where should my loyalties lie here? Because there's nothing, I don't have any problem with, Valieva herself. I'm not like, oh, that kid's a real piece of shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's hard, though, because, like, I think when you get past the sort of, like, the pomposity and the sort of, like, the stuff that, about the Olympics that's obnoxious, you know, the idea of it being about, like, something that it's clearly not about. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Right, that, like, what you're left with, then, are these incredibly difficult incredibly cool most most of the time sports that we only think about every few years or that normal people only think about every few years and like the part of it that that you're left with that redeems all of that bullshit when it's done right is like the sports itself it's the games that you watch and right and i would like in you know just as a as a fan participating in this transaction who is like willingly sitting out to the extent that i can all the stuff that I believe to be fake or at least ignoring it. Like if the sports are going to be the sports, like I would like to be able to watch those and see the athletes celebrated for the work they do. It's just tough. If this was really like blowing the competitive balance of the event out of whack, then like, it's not like you can just say, all right, everybody dope your asses off. Like it, it does kind of stink. It creates some bad incentives. But in this case, the idea of like all these sort of like, 
administrative half measure punishments or like, you know, if you win, you're not allowed to be happy about it or whatever, any of that shit to me seems like it, it's classic IOC stuff in that it, like it satisfies nobody and also does nothing. Right. Like I'm just really kind of there for the ice skating, I guess. Well, that's, that's what they're always banking on, right? Yeah. That, you know, you'll be fine with the athletes and it's almost, you know, while you're talking, you know, it, it occurred to me that, you know, this is sort of like, this is almost the sort of the foremost example of the athletes simply being meat shields for the administrators behind the games in the countries themselves. Yeah. So, you know, they, you know, it's basically, yes, we were in, you know, this evil statewide doping program, but you were going to punish a girl for that, you know, yeah. like, like you're not punishing us really, you're punishing a kid and don't you feel bad. It's incredible. I mean, that's like the thing about the Olympics that's always like, I think the hardest to sit with ethically is that like all of this is, it's leveraged on virtuosic athletes. That's fine. So is everything. So is the NFL, whatever. Like, I mean, that the, the actual thing that you're consuming is the game and the people playing it. The part of it that's weird is seeing like in the Olympics, like it's leveraged on a 15 year old and on your sort of natural protective feelings or, you know, just sort of like, admiration for what that person can do but like look at what is leveraged on it like look at all the shit that they've like erected above this girl's ability to do quads like it's just like a million gray-faced scumbag dudes in suits like just getting over on everybody yeah i i our own tom lay suggested in chat the other day that like there should be an age limit like 15 year olds should just not be the in the olympics and that i think is kind of correct like yeah someone who's younger than my daughter being of like an Olympic figure skater. First of all, it seems kind of it seems kind of creepy, but also like it makes me feel like shit because my daughter hasn't won a gold medal yet, and that's really not fair. Why are they making my daughter feel bad? Well, have you thought about putting her on all of uh, the like heart medicines that are available commercially and seeing if maybe that that perks her up? If only I had sent her to an IMG academy at age two and a half. So yeah, that's like- the other thing too. That like when because I remember we were talking about. Um, how the Olympics used to be in one of our little old man chats recently. And oh like, yeah, there was some real boomer talk in that. But there was you're talking about Herman Meyer and whatever. But in this case, like the the thing that I remember about hearing about like the Soviet bloc athletes when I was a kid was that like they had no agency at all. Like that they would just get like sent to some academy and made to do gymnastics from the age of three. And, you know, they didn't know how to read. They had no, like, sort of friends. They had no life outside of it. And, you know, isn't that sort of sinister? And it is sinister. I mean, it's, like, super strange. And I don't know what Camila Valieva's life is like, but I think, like, a 15-year-old world champion Olympic athlete probably doesn't have anything that a normal 15-year-old would recognize as a normal life. No. And yet, like... The real, I think, like, when you look back at it and you look at what's happened with, like, specialization and things like IMG Academy here that, like, a lot of the, like, tut-tutting at that was I think that mostly Americans were mad that we hadn't invented that yet or that we didn't have, like, strong enough social functions to, like, have a national academy that, like, had that kind of power. But now they've, we've invented them. So, yeah, we have an Oak Hill Academy and we got IMG and, like, we're getting there, closing the, uh, closing the, the dystopia gap. Yeah, because the American version of it is not all that dissimilar. It's just more disparate and a bit more jocular, you know? Yeah. So it's like, And kind know. of like, and privatized too. Because like, you can yep. go to IMG, like, they'll give you a scholarship if you're going to get, like, a full ride to the University of Alabama. But also, like, 
you can pay to go there. Like your dad can pay so that you have the experience of being on a team with a guy who's going to play at the University of Alabama. Yeah, I think I think I I have like a like to me it's different. Like if if Joe Biden was overseeing it personally, like and at the like at the rink, like shirtless with his arms crossed, like that <laughs> right. one needs more drugs. Like that's how I sort of see it in my brain because I'm a child of the '80s, like when yeah. East Germany did all also, that. Also, I mean, Putin does kind of have that that sort of vibe. Like you get why the sense yes, that, yes, that, he like does. he's like constantly demanding more horse steroids for his child athletes. Like that's the energy he puts out into the world. That's uh, that's 100 percent true. Where it's like, hey, you know, let me. Uh, Maybe I should invade Ukraine. Let me just get to the line of scrimmage. Let me cloud the crowd the line of scrimmage at Ukraine. I have and- made the rare responsible news choice to just not know anything about that. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was with you on on that until I was like, listen, I need an explainer on this, as if I needed to be explained that Russia invading a sovereign country right. in the middle of Europe would be a bad <laughs> right. idea. Like, like, explain it to me like I'm a child in English. Yeah. Yeah. Is it bad when yeah. you cross a border? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, well, it would be the biggest war in Europe in 70 years. So that would be kind of ill-advised. We wouldn't like, And is like that generally that. considered to be a long time to go between major land conflicts? I'm not, I'm not a real student of the game. I'm mostly a football guy. I think I, I, think I just need to get over the sort of the ingrained... Uh, xenophobia I would naturally have toward Russians because, you know, because I grew up, you know, with Sylvester Stallone and all that shit. So I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, those Russians. Oh, they're very... And Putin makes it so fucking easy. So I'm yeah. like, oh, oh, they're all like that guy. And they're totally not. They're absolutely I, not like that. I think that you've got... I mean, I don't want to put all the pressure on you, but I feel like if you Too can late. change and they can change... <laughs> <laughs> that's right Stallone voices I never watched Judge Dredd but I always remember the trailer when Rob Schneider does an impression of him going I liked that I enjoyed that that was the moment when Rob Schneider's brain dislodged within his head and now he's just a Fox News guy but that was his peak yeah sneaking a decent Stallone imitation into uh, like the really campy Judge Dredd from the 90s I I was thinking of Rob Schneider now as the guy who is Essentially gets no-show jobs from Adam Sandler on every movie. So like yeah. He, like, he like goes onto like, the set, and he's like, you can do it! And then right. he gets like he gets a little check, and then he can fuck off back to being an anti-vax. Right. Like, he, go, he runs through the wig trailer and just grabs whatever strikes his fancy and puts it on, and then, then it's done That's to right. go to work. I'm going to be a girl for five minutes in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, we haven't talked about the Super Bowl, and we can, we can talk about that right now. Even though sure. the game, the game sucked. I mean, I, yeah, I thought it, it sucked. It was, it was, it was, you know what it was? It was a, a game that, like, the Rams took a 13-3 to lead in that game early in the second quarter. And it was like, ah, shit, this thing might break apart. And it might be a shitty Super Bowl, just like last year's Super Bowl. And then uh, Cincinnati came within three before the half. And then at the beginning of the second half, they had that insane T. Higgins pass from Joe Burrow where T. Higgins grabbed Jalen Ramsey's face mask and basically, you know, Yanked him out of the way so that he could score. And then Matt Stafford, or I should say Matthew, threw an interception right after that. So it was like, oh my God, Cincinnati might fucking break this open. This thing's going to yeah. be like a fucking barn burner. That was also, to be clear, that's like the first 90 seconds of the, of the second yeah. half, basically. And then like for the next hour, no one had a first down. No I mean, one did yeah, that was, fucking anything. It was a game like that you would, I mean, like, it's one thing to say it was a game where the best player was a defensive tackle or whatever, you know, but it, it was a game where, like, basically the most important players in the game were defensive linemen, and the game reflected that. 
Right. And that's not necessarily the, you know, the beautiful game, high-flying version of football that they would probably want to sell on the biggest stage. Well, it's not that. Like, I, I enjoy watching good defense when I know that they are suppressing a sort of irrepressible offense, right? Mm-hmm. But it seemed to me like those offenses just monkey-fucked around for like Yeah, there was a little—it was definitely not, uh, like— Right. If you if the, if the idea was like this is Aaron Donald like making it impossible for Patrick Mahomes to do anything, that's one thing. It's like Burrow is great. He was also hurt the entire second half, and like yes. they didn't have a much of a running game going. Like, and it was never clear. Like, I think the Bengals were great, and I kind of half expected them to win the Super Bowl because I was just like not going to bet against them until they lost. But. uh yeah, like there was never the sense that they were that, that good. And so the idea that it was just finally Aaron Donald and I guess Ashawn Robinson too, just like being the best players on the field at any given moment, like, you know, it wasn't just that it was kind of boring to watch. It was that there was that like awakening inevitability feeling of all of it where you're like, oh, right. Yeah, there's like one Hall of Famer out there. And like, of course, he's going to tackle Samaji Piran with using his hand and wrist. Yeah. Right. Like just... Do well, the other thing some was Hall that, of Famer thing. The other thing was that the game ended with a game-winning touchdown, right? It was a 15-play drive, went 79 yards, and it was engineered essentially single-handedly by Matthew Stafford and uh, and Cooper Cup. So it was like, you know, I want to, like, I, I've been sold that that is what helped make it great. But that drive, like, there are football games where, like, if they if they end with sort of like a cursory game-winning field goal, even though they're tight, they they suck. They're, yeah. It's like it's not the way you want a football game to end. And in this case, you know, the Rams drove all the way down the field, and there was a chance there would be sort of a standoff at the goal line. But then there were 58 million penalty flags. Yeah. And, you know, I know that the Bengals deserved – there was one they did not deserve, but they deserved some of the others. And so, you know, but, but then what happens after all those flags is that the touchdown part of it is not a surprise. It's just like, oh, all right, yeah, there's, there's your touchdown – and now, you know, the Bengals have 90 seconds to unfuck themselves. And instead, they ran Samaji Piran instead. Yeah. Which, you know, whatever. As Super Bowls go, like, obviously, this was not exactly the one that you want. Uh, I thought it was acceptably okay. And the, the two weeks, especially before it, were, like, the most fun I've had watching the NFL in years. Yes. Like, yeah, every I- game was killer. Like, all the, you know, like, just extremely great quarterbacking and like great individual defensive play every week. So like, I guess that's good. I mean, I only have like one observation about the NFL, which I wrote in the little, the little blog about this, you know, which is that basically like it's as sort of unacceptably gross as it is in an unacceptable number of ways. Like it also rules and is fun to watch. And it's like another one of those things where it's constantly redeeming itself and then like administratively trying to see how much it can get away with. And then, you know, whatever, pushing that boundary further out. Almost like it's been a theme of the podcast so far. Yeah. Isn't it like that? Uh, uh, Do you think this Rams title will ultimately mean anything to LA? I know you're a New York person, but you've been to LA and, and you went to school in California. So, when I was when we were at the old site, one of the last things I did so when the Rams were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, the, when the one they lost to the Patriots, that uh, I went out there with Jorge and Kieran, and we interviewed a guy who runs a barber shop called the Golden Ram in I believe it was like Westchester, 
so it's Orange County. And this guy was like an LA Rams fan from when he was a kid and then stayed an LA Rams fan when they were in St. Louis. Like he would get on an airplane at LAX and get off in like a fucking snowstorm and go watch Mark Bulger throw three picks and then like be like, that was smart. I'm glad I did that. And then would fly home. Like, so there are people, the whole store was like a, uh, like a museum of Ramsiana. He had like a framed, uh, picture of flipper anderson running up the tunnel at the meadowlands i didn't know oh i hate that. flipper anderson didn't like that but the other stuff was like it was also like a real remember some guys type experience like it was just like an irv panky jersey that he got when like <laughs> irv panky would come in to get his haircut and so like there are people like that out there to me that like fan base though like that was when the rams were an orange county team and so they were like orange county guys cheered for them and like say what you want about orange county california like real people do live there and they like the same things that normal people like. They just vote a lot worse. But can you say team, can you say orange again for me? I'd rather not. I there was a little bit of jersey <laughs> in there, I'm and get I liked it for this shit. I like right, orange. Enjoy, no, it was enjoy. No, and I like because it had because it had a bit of an accent to it. I'm not saying you pronounced it wrong. Oh, all right. I don't know because I think you know people get mad at me because sometimes I say the names of restaurants in ways they don't like. No, but no. Can the, you say say it? Again. I said I said Orange County. No, that's not how you said it. You had like what a little did I bit say? of a in Orange there? County. Uh, you're like an Orange County. Oh, maybe I did say that. Whatever it was. But I like that. Like, that's like how right. Al Michaels pronounces it. It's very cute. <laughs> I should th- try to do the Al Michaels uh, New Orleans and see if I can get uh, away with that as well. He defended the- that for a long time uh, when I interviewed him. He said, you know, that's – I had people in New Orleans uh, congratulate me and thank me for pronouncing it that way. They come up to me, big, strong Saints fans – Tears in their eyes. Mr. Michaels, sir, thank you for pronouncing the name of my city properly. Well, you know, because it could be worse because he could have tried to do what every other dad does and call it Nolans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Nola. Yeah, yeah. Or I just feel like, like Chris Collinsworth would be a Nola guy. Anyway, <laughs> to my point, I think there are there were Rams fans in Orange County that cared about them that probably still care about them. Those people live really far from where the stadium is now, and the stadium now seems like this grotesque real estate terraforming gambit that uh would be very hard to root for but i know people that care about you know the team i think it's just like it's weird like between how thoroughly they've turned everything over and like how kind of i guess admirably they've gone for it it all feels kind of a little fake to me and i don't know what like that that means like they didn't develop, they didn't like start out being bad and then get good. They just like they mortgaged everything and then they won a Super Bowl. It worked. Yeah, but like, I mean, I, I don't I know actually, how le- how legit that really is, though. You know, I mean, it's legit to me in part because you know they were just sort of treading water with Jeff Fisher, you know, the seven and nine jokes, and then they hired a capable, bright young coach in Sean McVay, who may end up being sort of the most important coach of his generation. Yeah, are and we they like are instantly- accepting that he's He's like for real now. Like, oh yeah, kinda, yeah. All right. Yeah. No. I, I. I. I believe in it whole. I mean, he's got the fucking ring. It's nothing. It's no yeah. disputing that. But it is weird because like, LeBron tweeted this week, or it was last week. He's like, he's like, I think we should have a parade with all three teams: the Rams, the Dodgers, and the Lakers. And it's like, Lakers. well, you know, you got your timing a little, little yeah. off, LeBron. The other right, thing is, like, that, are, you, are you concerned this is gonna interfere with your push to make the play-in game? Yeah, Western yeah. Conference. Well, because the other thing is that, you know, I believe in the authenticity of Lakers fans and Dodgers fans. As annoying as both those parties yeah, are. they're psychotic, but they're for real. But if you threw a triple parade for those three teams, how many Rams fans would show up? Even though the, yeah. even though this, 
the team originally belonged to that city. There'd be like, you know, 50 Rams fans. Or yeah, no, that's for sure. And and it might be that this is what it takes. I mean, in some ways, like, you don't want to give credit to Stan Kroenke for anything. No. But, like, this would be how you would build a fan base is, like, you give people an awesome team to watch. You give them a Super Bowl as quickly as you can. And, like, that actually makes sense if that's what they're doing. I just, you know, whatever. It's hard in a lot of ways. I guess just, like, things that are new don't always sit right with me or I don't have like there's a statute of limitations before I'm willing to accept that they are actually real and this is like just at the outer boundary of like what I'm willing to acknowledge as a legitimate football victory I I mean I think it's legit I think I think McVeigh is legit it's legit it's just the the organization and the rest I'm strangely happy for Matt Stafford uh I do think that anytime I see Stan Kroenke I think it's fucking hilarious because he looks like he looks like a dude in witness protection all the time, and I'm yeah. never over it. Like he looks yep. like, like the mustache looks fake, the hair looks fake, probably is fake, and he's wearing like sunglasses. Like it totally looks like he fucking testified yeah, like, against fucking <laughs> against fucking John Gotti or some shit, and he had to hide out in Arizona. And he has that like it's weird that like you can get as rich as he is, and like you just look more and more like you're wearing a realistic latex mask of a guy. Yes. Like you're, you're in Los Angeles. You could look like whatever you want. Like you could get the surgeries everybody gets that makes them look like cats and stuff. Yeah. You could do that, but he's not. You, yeah, you can get good plastic surgery too. You get Tom Brady's plastic surgeon. There's no, there's no stopping you. Yeah, they'll put a chin dimple in. If you don't have it, you just ask them for it. They'll do it. Well, let's take a break and come back with the fun bag. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to open up the fun bag, but we have a special guest, Roth, and that is our reader, Luke Forster Bruton. How you doing, Luke? Hello, Luke. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Luke, great where are you uh, Where are you calling in from? I am in Alexandria, Virginia. Oh! Oh, you just crossed the river. All right. Well, mm-hmm. that's easy enough. It's good stuff. Really great. If you want to meet somebody who sells munitions to the Air Force, that's one of the best places to go. It's a real hot zone. Yeah. Yeah. And plenty, plenty of um, talk of, with me and my wife of Maryland drivers. And whenever Drew talks about how terrible Maryland drivers are, is yeah. there a difference between Maryland and Virginia? Is it like a like a terroir thing? You can, it's a vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, we may, we may uh, sort of, uh, sort of overemphasize it just so we feel special, you know. But I'm definitely like, fuck Virginia, man. <laughs> Maryland rules, even though I wasn't born or raised here i'm just like yeah maryland all the way my my beef is not when people like people from virginia criticize maryland drivers i'm all right with that but if you're from pennsylvania and you got problem with maryland drivers go fuck yourself because you people can't drive between us can't drive for shit just the worst like my wife has a pennsylvania driver voice like when they like when they cut her off on the road she's like the pennsylvania (laughs) every time (laughs) She's so angry at Pennsylvania drivers. Luke, are you from Virginia originally? I am not. I grew up in Iowa. Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, do you like corn? <laughs> I actually hate corn. Do you? But in Iowa, it's all commodity corn, so you can't actually eat most of the corn that's grown in Iowa. Right, it's the corn that ends up in, like, shampoo, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. That's so fucking great. I think we import most of our edible corn back into the state. Uh, would you like to remember a guy, Luke? I would love nothing more. All right. Well, I had a guy of the week uh, for you, Luke. But also, we found out during the break that you are related, distantly, 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 
to former Minnesota North Star Neil Broughton, who pronounced it Broughton uh, for Bratwurst or something like that. So anyway, remember that guy, Luke? I sure as heck do. That's Most right. celebrated Minnesota hockey player that ever existed. That's right. Goddamn right. Being and now related that, to an actual guy is, I think that's the first time, like, it wasn't like Andy Barron's was like, oh yeah, Curtis Enos is my cousin. Like, that was not, <laughs> like, this, is a, this honestly, is a real first for us. I would rather have that. I mean, as a, as a diehard Bears fan, being related to Curtis Enos, that there's, there's no higher honor. What an amazing, yeah, really. It's like getting knighted. Are you happy? Yeah. Are you happy with the Bears offseason thus far? Um, yeah, I think so. I think they're they've made some some good moves, and and I I got to join the podcast just as the Vikings were inking Kevin O'Connell to his his deal officially. So yes, that's, that I think right. that counts as a good Bears move as well. Oh, ooh, a burn! Yeah, yeah, wow. bro. I can't be a part of this NFC North <laughs> trash talk. The the smoke coming off of my body is just yeah. Brutal, right? It's now. your body. Hey, that's right. It's your body. <laughs> Luke, you want to answer some fun bad questions? Yes. Uh, this is from Jack. He said, would it be possible to fire a gun in space? After all, gunpowder would require oxygen to ignite. On the other hand, would an unfired bullet still in its casing be airtight enough to keep its seal even in space and therefore retain all the air it needs from when it was first manufactured on Earth? Luke, could you fire a gun in outer space? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like you could, but it would probably blow the ship up. At least that seems to be whenever there's like a gun in space in a space movie. That's always the concern. It's like, well, you've got a gun in space. That's going to wreck <laughs> yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, so like inside the spaceship, like, don't fire the gun. We'll all fucking die. And then, of course, they fire it like right at the door. Like they're like, oh, there's a window. Let me aim at the window right now. It is embarrassing that this is that we're all at the exact same level of answering this question, which is like, did I see it in a movie and what happened? <laughs> like this is basically like because I've watched Reacher, I think you can fire a gun from the bottom of a swimming pool now because like I just saw it the other day. Like it happened like in a TV show and it's not real. But was Reacher good? Because the lead looks like a real like piece of meat. So Reacher rules uh, hard. Ooh. But Ooh. it is extremely stupid. And it's like, it's the sort of show that I didn't think they would make anymore. Like, it is a weird action comedy uh, starring this guy who, like, as you are correctly said, like, he's, like, basically the same size as T.J. Watt. Um, right. He is. Kind of has, like, a faint, like, it's like if Chris Pine was T.J. Watt, which sounds like a can't-miss thing. He's pretty good. Um, the show itself is... It's really weird. Like, it's brutal. It's extremely violent. There's a lot of knife stuff going on Ooh, in it. That sounds good. And yet, like, it's kind of a fun uh, ride for all of that. Luke, I see you nodding. Have, have you seen any of it, or are you just are you familiar with the books? Or I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. I, I think we, we've, um, we've reached the point in our pandemic watching where we've flown past, like, actual quality content. Oh, yeah, same. Last night, we watched The Shaggy DA on Disney+. Plus. Oh, my God. Imagines- I had to watch... Like, I, what if you took the Shaggy Dog and then 17 years later made a sequel where he was also running a hotly contested district attorney race? I had to watch that at camp. That was our camp movie. They were like, you guys have been so good. You're going to have movie night. And we were like, yay. I'm like, what's the movie? And they're like, the Shaggy DA. And we were like, what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck is that movie? Seems then? like something the kids would like. He's a, Well, he was earlier in an earlier movie. He was a dog and a guy at the same time. But now he's gone to law school. 
This is is this not what you guys like at summer camp? I thought I thought they'd be like, well, we got fresh print of Spaceballs. We're going to show you, but no, it was some shitty ass Disney so movie. The, the movie the experience that I remember best from summer camp was like you know like a rainy day thing. Somehow they got it was a bootleg copy of Sister Act that like someone <laughs> did with like a camcorder. So there was people's heads in it and like people talking. Like it was like the sort of thing that you would get you know, years later on the subway. But in this case, it somehow found its way to, like, rural Connecticut. Like, they were like, well, we have one option. Also, uh, it is not copyright compliant. Someone definitely stole this. And it's a Whoopi Goldberg movie. (laughs) And uh, we all took it. Like, it was better than not watching a movie. Uh, But it was was the first time I saw a bootleg movie ever. Wow. Congratulations. By the way, to, to answer the question... Uh, it is possible to fire a gun in space because, and I, by the way, I Googled this. You, there's an oxidizing agent within the bullet. So if you don't have oxygen on hand, it can still ignite because the oxidizing agent is triggered by the hammer from your gun. The other thing is that, and I didn't look this up, but I th- believe it's true. If you fire a gun in space, there's nothing to slow down the bullet. So in theory, I think the bullet could just keep going and going and going and going. So if you wow. wanted to like shoot somebody who was on like Pluto... Uh, from like the moon, you could pull it off if you were if your aim was good enough, and wow. my aim would be good enough. I was gonna say it's good that we didn't uh, we don't have space snipers. The knowledge that I dropped was just so, so so intensive that you guys were silenced by it. I, was, I feel like I just learned something. Yeah, like, wow. Oh, my God. Like, whoa. Nick writes in, I was making corn chowder the other day, and when I put the corn in, I did not strain the juice. My significant other told me you are always supposed to drain canned goods first. Clearly, she is wrong. And it's not even worth discussing when it comes to sweet, sweet corn water. But in some cases, draining and rinsing is right. Beans, for example. I always drain and rinse beans before using. So my question to you is what canned goods should be drained and rinsed and which should be enjoyed with all the contents of the can? Luke, do you have a stance on draining canned goods? Mm. Um. Well, growing up in a household where our produce mostly came in the form of canned goods, uh, I think it's always good to have the juice still part of it if you're just ingesting it. But if you're if you're going to make it part of something like a cake or you know muffins, then you would definitely want to drain the juice. And, you don't want kidney bean it. juice in your cake. I'm, mm. I don't think so. Although you can mm. make a good, uh, you can make vegan pavlova with. Uh, um, uh, garbanzo bean juice. You can whip really? that up like it's egg whites and turn you, it into a pavlova. Just no the, shit. How does that work? Just because there's like weird starch in there. Yeah, there's be... like some. Mm-hmm, it like it, it acts like it like the the egg white you know bonding would to create all the air and and that build is... it up. So I haven't tried it, but I I would like to. It looks fun. It's yeah. my turn to be dead silent in response to having. No, some yeah, you've tried now, it. especially like it's not every day that someone teaches Drew about pavlovas. Usually, it's the other way around. I uh, I made one on chopped. When that's I what I was chopped. referring to, Drew. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. come on! I, 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 I told the story before, but when I when I served it to the judges, Chris Santos said, and it wasn't in the telecast. He said, "I have never." heard of pavlova before i don't know what pavlova is so i had to educate one of the judges on what pavlova was hey andy writes in luke is emmett's all-time rushing record now unbreakable with how nfl offenses have evolved including the emphasis on the passing game and shared backfields do you think emmett's all-time rushing record is unbreakable now luke i think so i think i think with the way that offenses evolved they'll never we'll never go back to a place where running the ball is 
statistically better than passing. So I feel like even the best running backs will never have the same kind of uh, touches that they would have under under 90s style running games. So yeah, I, I don't anticipate that one being broken ever. Yeah, it's always weird when you see a running back that's getting used the way that running backs used to get used during like my childhood. Like Najee Harris, sort of similar to that, was just like getting like 28 carries a game or something. And it's like that... There's like two guys that are used like that now. The rest of it is like, yeah, they're complementary players. And I mean, the, also the Emmett Smith rushing record <laughs> because of this is preposterous. Like yes. on its merits, it should be unbreakable. Like even if there were still, you know, like 90 style usage patterns for running backs, like it's really hard to imagine. Well, I remember uh, Adrian Peterson said he wanted to break it. And Adrian Peterson is still, I mean, uh, I... He, he has a, uh, a domestic violence charge against him. So I, I think it's entirely possible he never plays again. But he has been playing now for like 15 years. He's not even close to that record. No. Like it's not, like, so it's insane. It's, it, I, I, I also think it's one of those things that will go down sort of like Cy Young's win tally, where it's just like it's a product of another era so much so that the idea of breaking it is kind of silly because you know it's not the same sport anymore. Right. Yeah, like Cy Young's got like 500 wins or something like that. And you're like, that's terrific to think about. Because he would, not... would pitch every day, right? Right. They were like, and, like, you know, and there was like, and there was no one's vulturing decisions from him. It wasn't like some seventh inning guy like gave up a double and erased it or whatever. Like there, there wasn't a seventh inning guy. No, no, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Michael writes in, curious how you and Roth would rank your sports fandoms. Let's try to look into this too. Uh, Michael thinks that my... Uh, my ranking is NFL, NBA, soccer. He writes with the next uh, question mark. MLB and then the NHL. Rothy has you baseball first, then the NFL, then the NBA, then the NHL. Is that correct, Roth? Uh, I would swap the NBA and the NFL, and I would probably just take the NHL off of it. I really don't know anything about it. Like, it's just was one of those things. I should probably, like, honestly, given that the MLB uh, season is at this point, uh, questionable to return i guess would be the term <laughs> like yeah i should yeah. probably like get myself straightened out on hockey so that i could maybe enjoy the playoffs or something because like i'm gonna want to watch something you are you are indeed luke what how do you rank your uh, loyalties in terms of sport uh for me i think it would be mlb number one uh nba then the nfl then nhl last yeah. well, uh, gentleman's what choice. baseball team do you root for the yankees Oh, wow. you're from Iowa, but you were from the Yankees. How did that come to be? Uh, because when I was growing up, my favorite player was Daryl Strawberry. And so I was a huge fan of of Russ' beloved 86 Mets and all those yeah. Mets teams. And then I, my favorite team was just wherever he was playing, because obviously he's a great guy, great role model. You want to follow him wherever he yeah. goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, my favorite player growing up was probably Daryl Strawberry, too. But, like, that's the slight difference in age where it leaves you that was a bit of been strange. Like it shows when you came in that like, you could have been like very briefly a San Francisco giants fan somehow, but like <laughs> he was the coolest man. It was a really uh, strange swing to try to emulate as a little leaguer, which I did, which is just kind of funny. Like, cause he had, you know, these super long levers and this big looping swing. And like when it's like a th three foot, eight inch, 60 pound Jewish kid trying to do the same thing with a bat. Like it took me a minute and a half to get the thing through the zone. Like I just did not have the, the muscles to do it. 
<laughs> oh man, well that's that was a fun podcast. Luke, you were a very, very good uh, accomplice to come on. Were you? Is there anything we have not asked you that you would like us to ask you? There is not. It was just the honor of my entire year to be <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> um, fellow accomplice Cassie Forster Broden is very jealous. Uh, in the other room that she. She didn't get to be on. Um, so we are um, we are in your debt. Both if she, you. thank if, you for doing it. If she were, if she didn't drain her corn, maybe we would let her on. You know, <laughs> I'll I'll let her know. Brandon Nixon, Corinne Wallace are our producers. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go with your body to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code <laughs> Distract. Enough. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.